this message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Well, praise the Lord. I am glad we have a great God that serves us at all times, works in our lives at all times as we serve Him. What a privilege to serve Him. Take your Bible, if you would, and open to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Now, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was getting to be a daddy and getting to have children. But when you read Genesis chapter 26, there's a little bit of responsibility put on us as dads that will uh, that might make it just a tad hard for us, and that is that we are responsible and our sins are often passed to our children. Our children often act too much like us, and that is probably the biggest lesson in Genesis chapter 26. Our children act too much like us. When I want to kill my kids, usually, is when they're acting just like me. And uh, I see them and I think, who could be that dumb? And then I think to myself, you know, I think they're acting a lot like me. So read with me, if you would, Genesis 26. We're going to read the whole chapter, uh, hillbilly style. I'm going to scan it and just tell you what's going on. You follow along the best you can. I'm sure back there that Canon will do a good job keeping up. In Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1, there's a famine in the land. And uh, it's, uh, this is a different one than the one that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac goes to see Abimelech. And uh, he was basically headed, it looks like, towards Egypt. But in verse 2, the Lord sees him, appears to him, and says, Don't you go down to Egypt. You stay here, and I'll bless you, and I will do what I promised your dad I would do. In verse 4, he said, I'll make your seed to multiply as the stars and all the things you heard before. Verse 5, he said, Because of what your father did because of Abraham and how he obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac stays in Gerar, and Isaac is going to do the same sin. In verse 7, as they go in there, he, he's afraid that somebody might kill him for his wife, Rebecca. And so he says, uh, he's afraid to say that she is my wife because she's too pretty, too fair to look upon and it came to pass that when he had been there after he said that this is my sister type deal just like another guy did uh the abimelech looks out the window in verse 8 and he sees isaac sporting with rebecca his wife isaac is sporting with rebecca his wife now that's a good sport amen that's a good word he was doing something that made abimelech say they are not brother and sister they are a lot more than that. And he, was, uh, he is sporting. And he said, verse 9, he said, he brings him in and says, you told me she was your sister. And he said, well, I did it so you wouldn't kill me. Verse 9. And he said, verse 10, somebody easily might have taken your wife from you. You shouldn't have done that. Verse 12, Isaac sows in the land and he reaps a hundredfold. God gives him a tremendously great harvest. Verse 13, he becomes very great. Verse 15, his Father has his servants had dug wells, and the Philistines had stopped them up. In chapter 16, Abimelech says, we'd like you to leave. You're too powerful for us. We're nervous about you being here. And so he, he steps out into the valley of Gerar, and he dwells there, and he digs again the wells that his dad Abraham had built. The Philistines had stopped them up, and Abraham, he called them the same name as his dad called them. And his servants dug the wells, and here come uh, the herdmen. 
uh, and of Gerar, and they they've had a fight with Isaac and his guys, and they said these wells are our wells. And so he moves on in verse 21, and he digs another well. And they fight again, and he moves on, and finally he gets to a place that he calls Rehoboth, and he says, God finally made room for me. In verse 24, uh, the Lord appears to him at night and says, I'm the God of Abraham, your father. Don't be afraid. I will bless you, and I'll do great things. And in verse 25, he builds an altar and calls on the name of the Lord, and he digs a well, and they see, the guys in the area, verse 28, see that the Lord is with him in a big way and that he is blessed of the Lord in verse 29. And he digs a well, Sheba, a well there. And he was 40 years old when he took a wife. And uh, Esau was 40 years old when he took a wife. Judith, the daughter of Barry, the Hittite. And uh, they were a grief of mine. They broke mom and dad's heart. They broke mom and dad's heart that he would marry those girls. I want to challenge you to look with me at how Isaac repeats the sins of his dad. I want to talk to you about us not making that same mistake and helping to raise our children using truths from this verse. Father, I pray that you'd work in our lives. I pray, God, that you would help us to learn so that my sins aren't so easily passed to my children and also I don't take the sins of my father my dad and do those and lord i know that in lots of ways it's late for me in my life uh, but god there's still time for the young people in our church as their young parents young moms and dads and god you could still work in their lives to help them and i pray you'd help me in the remaining years that i have i can work with my children and my grandchildren for your honor and your glory and i'll give you praise and honor for all you do in jesus name amen now this is the story of isaac the son of abraham Somebody said Isaac is the ordinary son of a great father and the ordinary father of a great son. He lives 180 years. He's long, he lives longer than his daddy and he lives longer than his son Jacob. But his life is filled with years that aren't mentioned. He's only mentioned when we need to know something about somebody else. The most notable thing put in the Bible that Isaac does is repeat the sins of his father. Mainly his story is, I messed up like daddy messed up. The lesson for us as fathers, what we do will have a great effect on our children. What we do will have a great effect on our children. The lesson for us as children is not to make the mistakes of our dad, but to follow Jesus. Remember, you're responsible for your own life and you can't blame your parents. Now, I took psychology in college and you know we blame everybody for everything and we never accept personal responsibility but you as a christian need to but could i just say to you i want to i'm going to walk you through this chapter i'm going to show you some things i believe is going on in this chapter things that apply to us as dads i have four children and i can see so many of the good things that god did in my life in my children but i can also see the mistakes i can see the, thing, the, the many things I did, and, and it, they appear even to me to be magnified, and I want to be a better dad. And I want to learn from a passage of Scripture what I can here. So let's talk about facing daddy's temptations. Facing daddy's temptations. And that's what's going to happen in this story. It starts, the story opens with Isaac facing a, a, a famine 
just like Abraham had faced a famine. You're, we're all going to be tested. My children are going to be tested. They're going to have temptations placed in front of them. And it's amazing. The devil te- seems to know Austin had this problem, so I can pull this on his kids. Uh, Abraham had this problem. I can pull this on his kids. And it's, it's like it's in the family type thing, and he, he pulls this thing. But our faith's going to be tested by temptations around us, or, or temptations in us, really, and trials around us. Read with me, if you would, before I get into the passage here. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 2. I need to know as a dad tonight, uh, you need to know as a mom tonight, we need to know as people that aren't even parents yet, that someday God may make parents, that we need to handle trials and temptations right because we are influencing young lives that are following us. We are influencing young lives that are following us. In James, the Holy Spirit says, about James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. You get all sorts of temptations. Know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience, when it has done her full, complete, perfect job, will make sure that you are perfect, complete, entire, lacking, wanting, nothing. Blessed is the man, the verse 12, that endures temptation. He'll receive the crown of life. Verse 13, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted. Now this is what I want you to catch. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Look what it said in James chapter 1, verse 12, 14. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his, his own lust from within in him and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Don't make a mistake about this. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Often dad's temptations become our temptations. The word, the, uh, the word Abraham is used in this chapter eight times. The word father is used six times. What happened with dad has definitely had an influence on Isaac's life. For some reason, God puts this chapter in here and says, let me tell you the story of Isaac. And he starts off with Isaac in the same spot where his daddy was. Isaac watching what his daddy did. Isaac seeing how daddy handled it. And at least he didn't go down to Egypt. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2, if you would. 26.2. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, don't you go down to Egypt. You stay where I put you. Dwell in the land. Don't go not down into Egypt. I just want to stop here because we're doing Bible study and we're going to regularly refer to Egypt. And you need to know in Bible terms and the Bible story and the, the, the picture in the Bible, Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents the, 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 represents the world and sin and, and, and all the things that the world offers. It's not the land of promise. It's not the place of God's blessings. You would think that Isaac would learn something about Egypt from his dad. But apparently he didn't. You would think daddy tried to go to Egypt. He got down to Egypt, got in trouble. He went to Egypt to get food. He went to Egypt because there was a famine. I'm in a famine. Daddy had this problem. I saw how daddy handled this. Yeah, I did. And I'm going to do what I saw daddy do. 
And God says to him, Sojourn in the land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. And he gives it, that's verse 3, I will perform the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your seed to multiply. And he says, God, he says, because, God says, because Abraham obeyed my voice. God has promised the land Isaac's in right now to, to Abraham and now to Isaac. The question is, will they live in the light of the promise or in the light of the circumstances? I want to stop just a second and show you something. God's already told Abraham he's going to take care of him. God's already told Isaac he's going to take care of him. But there's a famine in the land, and he looks around, and he watches the news, and he hears all that's going on, and he knows everything's really bad, and he forgets that God can take care of him, and he starts making a plan for how he's going to take care of his life. That's exactly what his dad Abraham did. Abraham abandoned God's place for him. Abraham had abandoned the place of obedience. He ran to Egypt. And in doing so, he set a bad example for his son. Isaac only gets to the king of the Philistines, Abimelech. He is strongly warned not to go down to Egypt. And here's a big lesson. We can't run from our problems. We can't run from our problems or our trials. God is using our problems and our trials to perfect us and mature us romans chapter 5 verse 3 now, let me tell you this i know you heard this don't ever pray for patience because if you pray if you pray for patience god will bring problems in your life that's the dumbest thing i ever heard in my life that, that's somebody who didn't read their bible enough to know god is going to use problems god is going to use problems God, who saved you, predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, and he uses all this stuff in our life. By the way, when the Bible said everything works out for good, it doesn't mean everything's good. It means that God will take all the mess and work in your life and bring about good in spite of the mess. Not, there's no, no, no idea in the Bible that I'm not going to have any troubles or anything. So look at Romans 5, 3 with me. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Romans 5, 3, we glory. Man, God, I like it that you're sending me trouble. And that's totally the opposite. God, I like it that you're sending me trouble because we know that tribulation works patience. God, I'm really glad you're sending all these problems because you're building endurance. You might ought to write that in the margin. Patience, endurance. God's building patience, the ability to hang in there. And patience brings experience, and experience brings hope. Now just listen, if you would, real quickly. Listen to this. This is Abraham ran. Isaac wants to run. Isaac runs. You and I can't run from our problems. We can't run from our problems. You need to know that all the junk is going on in your life. And buddy, do I ever want to run? Yes, I want to run. Do I ever want an easy way out? I always want an easy way out. But God's building you. God's building you. And Abraham messed up, and Isaac follows him. He was tempted to run. Abraham, uh, Isaac is tempted to lie next. To look at verse 7. His daddy lied, and now he's tempted to lie. In verse 7, the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, she's my sister. The men of the place asked him about his wife, and he said, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say, she's my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. The exact same sin his dad committed. His dad ran, his dad lied. His dad ran, his dad lied. Another sin. His dad committed this same sin two times. Once in Egypt, 
and another time in the land of the Philistines. Real faith is trusting or is living without scheming. Real faith is living without scheming. I don't have to work it out. God will work it out. Telling lies is one of our favorite ways to protect ourselves and escape responsibility. Telling lies is one of our ways to protect ourselves and escape responsibility. God, Abraham messes up. Abraham lies. Isaac follows his example. Isaac lies. God, in his grace, protects Isaac and his wife just like he had Abraham. God exposed the lie in his man, Isaac. Abimelech looks out the window and he sees them loving on each other. He sees them hugging and kissing and holding hands and doing stuff brothers and sisters don't do with each other. And God exposed him because God wants Isaac to figure out something. I'm taking care of you. You don't have to come up with schemes. You don't have to come up with plans. I'm taking care of you. I'm watching out for you. I'm working in you. And God protected Isaac even though he didn't deserve it. That's a really good lesson, isn't it? That God's going to take care of us. Even though we mess up and even though we don't do right. And even, you know, God could have easily said, all right, you want to do the same thing your dad did, you big dummy? I'm going to let it happen to you. But he doesn't. He protects him. God protects him. He shows him grace to keep his word of a promise. And I would like to ask you, how are we handling temptations in our lives? How are we handling temptations in our lives? <clears throat> I'm tempted right now just preach like I would have in the old days. So I'm holding back. But do you not realize that everything you do is affecting your children? Do you not realize that you're holding up a sign and saying, this is how you do life? You're holding up a sign that says, this is how you do it. This is how you handle your money. This is how you handle temptation. This is how you treat church. This is how you treat your Bible. This is how you pray. Watch me. You live with me. You get up in the morning, you see me. You go to bed and you see me. You know where I work. You know me. When nobody's looking, you know me. Watch me like father, like son. A chip off the old block. You're teaching your children. He sandwiches us in. In the middle of this story, we're going to study a lot about Jacob. We're going to, we've already studied a lot about Abraham. Abraham's going to come up all through the Bible. You are influencing your children. How you handle temptation, how you handle testing, and how you handle trials is screaming to your kids. And when I grew up, you were often told, don't do as I do, do as I say. But nobody does as we say, they do as we do. They do what we do. And Isaac fell into that. I would challenge you to consider how strong of an influence you're having on your children just like Abraham did. I am certain that Abraham, had he realized, man, what I'm doing, my boy is going to do. The mistake I'm making, my son's going to make. The things I'm doing wrong, my son's going to do. I think he might have talked twice about it. What we do has a drastic effect on our children. They are watching us and learning from us. 
They are watching us and learning from us. They will do what we do, not what we say. They see through clearer eyes than we see ourselves. You know, my children see the real me. When I look in a mirror, I see the me that I choose to see. I see my intentions more than my actions. You know, I look in the mirror and say, now, I would be doing different. I wouldn't lie about this, but I really think this is the best thing. And I look at that, and I see my intentions, and I hope my son sees that. But when my son sees that, my son sees not what I hoped, not what I thought, not what was going on in my heart. My son sees what I did. Amazingly, Isaac will repeat the very words that his dad said. We judge our, hey, we judge our intentions they judge our actions. We, judge, we defend ourselves. They see us like we are. Probably the heaviest thing that you ought to carry is this. You know, I, I mean, I've watched the new parents and they got their new babies. They're so excited about having their new babies. You know, over the last couple of weeks, the baby's being born. And I, one of them walked out to the car with me when I saw him this week. And on the way out to the car, I said, your life ain't never going to be the same. And I know what he thought I meant. So I kept the conversation going. He thought I meant you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. But I looked at him and I said, there's a lot of responsibility, buddy. You're going to be watched for the rest of your life. You're going to be watched for the rest of your life. You're going to become the example in so many of his stories. You're going to be the hero and you're going to be the villain. You're going to be the guy he determines what's right and wrong. He heard the preacher say it, but he watched you live. He heard the teacher say it, but he watched you live. And so much of what's going on. Now, there, every kid's responsible for their own actions. Every kid will determine if they'll do right or not based on their own actions. But I need to realize, buddy, I am having an influence. And God, I just stop you. My children will be responsible. My children will be responsible. But I need to stop and think. But I am influencing them. I am influencing them. You're forming them. So, do they know that you read your Bible? Do they know you pray? Do they know you love Jesus? Do they watch the way you handle your money? Do they watch the way you handle temptation? Do they see you living a life of great blessing? I'm going to move on to the last half of the chapter. But I just want to remind you, and I'll, I'll come back and ask you a couple of questions in a minute. But I just want to remind you, we have an awesome responsibility as parents. When you take that little baby home, uh, there, was a, there was a commercial I saw. I haven't seen it on TV. I've seen it on the Internet. They put it out. And it show, it's a Nissan commercial, and it's, it shows Dad going to the hospital. And he gets to the hospital, he's carrying all the bags, and they put Mom in the wheelchair, and they carry in. He's standing there, and then they go in there, and he's got his clothes on, he's watching, and he doesn't get to do anything. And then it comes back out, and he puts the kid in the safety seat in the car and says, for Dad's first real job. Because that's the first time Dad really has a job. But I thought to myself, but does Dad ever have a job after that? A friend of mine says that all of us launch off of planet dad and orbit planet dad the rest of our lives. 
we launch off of planet dad and orbit planet dad. Some of us want to escape the orbit, but we can't. Some of us are pretty happy with the orbit. But if you had any idea of how important your life is, same thing applies to moms. I just don't speak from a mama's perspective. Take it like it's real. Take it like it's real. Go with me if you would to chapter 26, verse 12. Isaac settles in the land. Isaac settles in the land and God blesses his efforts. Now why does God bless a deceiver and a liar and a runner? Because God's faithful. I don't want you to get out of here some moralistic thing and go home and feel beat up about it. You know what? After all the mess that old Isaac does, after he follows his dad's bad example, after he leaves a bad example for his kid to come, God blesses him. You know, you serve a God of grace and mercy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. But I want you to look at something that's just so prominent in the chapter. I want you to put a circle around it, maybe draw an arrow to it. Look at verse, look if you would at verse 5, chapter 26 and verse 5. God's blessing Isaac because of Abraham's faith. Just like he blesses us because of Jesus. But look at verse 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, my statute and my laws. That's why he's going to bless him. That's why he's going to give all these things to him because of Abraham obeying. You have major investments in your children. The blessings of God will bring conflict for Isaac. In verse 14, he has a great possession of flocks and herds and servants, and the Philistines are jealous of him. You know, Abraham had stood up every time, but he might make a, tr a deal. He might, he might make a deal, but he didn't back down. He said, hey, look, guys, we'll sacrifice here. We'll take a stand right here. But something did get transmitted through to Isaac, and he runs every time. So he finally gets to a place where they don't chase him. I thought it might be wise for us to realize that Isaac is a good example of learning to live peaceably. Look at what it says in your Bible in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Rather, give place unto wrath. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. If your enemy's hungry, feed, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water. Heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. James 3.17, the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable. Here's something great about Isaac, like his daddy. Like his daddy. Verse 28. Look at chapter 26 and verse 28. We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. Now, that's a little heavy and negative on the front part, but check this out. Those that lived with Isaac realized, boy, God's with him. He might have lied, he might have run, but God's with him. God's working in his life. We saw certainly that the Lord was with him. Where are you and how is the relationship tonight? Do people know that you are a man of God? I want my kids to know that I'm a man of God. God eventually made room for Isaac, Rehoboth, and he builds an altar, verse 25. Look at it. He builded an altar there, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and he digs a well, of course. The whole chapter is about digging some wells. He built an altar, and he called on the name of the Lord. 
And I would just ask you, you know, um, when I was a kid, it was three to thrive. Fact is, we used to have more church then than we do now. We had Sunday morning, uh, Sunday school and church, and then training union or church training, they later called it. So it was like another Sunday school in the evening and another hour of church. And then we had midweek services, and then we had Monday night prayer meeting. Then we had youth meeting. You know, there's a whole lot of it. And the more you live today, the less church we do. But I would definitely call on you build an altar. Build an altar. Let your family know you build altars. That's another thing he learned from his daddy. He built an altar. Build an altar. Be in church. Be in church. Be in your Bible every day. Have a time alone with God. Read the Bible. Learn the Bible. Pray. Worship God. I hope your kids say, I know my daddy loves Jesus. Stop and just say this for you. Aggravate you a tad. But every time you preach a Christian's funeral, the kids try to find daddy and mama's Bible. And sometimes the pastor will say something. I'll, I'll say, is there a special passage you would like me to read? And often, men they're scrambling through the Bible and they'll say, well, how about Psalm 23? Everybody likes that one. But there's a, there are families that say, no, I know exactly what daddy liked. Well, Romans chapter 8 was my granddaddy's. When he lay dying, they, they called him in. He said to, his, said to my cousin, he said, Read the last part of Romans 8 where I don't get separated. And while he lay dying, the last few seconds he was alive, Mike, my cousin, read Romans chapter 8, and nothing will separate you. And my granddaddy died. What's your passage? Built an altar. Verse 28. God was with him. They said, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. Look at verse 29, last part. Thou art now blessed of the Lord. Thou art now blessed of the Lord. Thou art now blessed of the Lord. I want to be that man. Let me ask you some questions and I'll quit. What decisions do you need to make based on this passage of Scripture? My first question, are you living an ordinary or an extraordinary life for the Lord Jesus? I'd like just to stop and think a second. I got shot because we got some missionaries who named their kid Isaac and I told them, man, I wouldn't name my kid Isaac. My life depended on it. And they said, why not? I said, the guy's a do-nothing. Forty years old, couldn't find his own wife, so I had to go get his wife for him. Every time anybody wanted his well, he had to be pushed. He was pushed out. He just kept running. Finally, when there was no place else to go, he said, Rehoboth, I found me a spot. He lived an ordinary life. Now, I'd just like to stop and ask you, what kind of life are you going to live? You know, if you buy a house, buy a car, and get a retirement program, and raise your kids, and go off to work every morning at the same time, come home at the same time, or work extra long hours, or whatever it is you do, when you're dead and gone, nobody's really going to care about the money. They're going to care about the life you live. How much did you fill up your life? I hope. You know how it is. You've heard the sermons at the funeral. You know, the, uh, the, your life, is, they put on the tombstone, your birth, uh, your, the day you're born and the day you die, and they say the real life's that little dash in between. I hope I'll do something with my life that's remarkable enough, a little more above ordinary. I don't want to be just that ordinary guy. Are you concerned about how your life, your example, and your testimony affects your children? Now, stop a second. Let me just say don't make excuses. Well, they know that I'm busy, and they're going to be busy too. 
they know that I really want to be at church and they know I really want to read the Bible and they know I don't want to run from our problems and they know I don't want to lie about my, my wife being my sister. They understand. No, they don't. They didn't in the story and they don't there. Have you determined to take responsibility for your own actions or do you blame your parents? I don't know how many people will say to me, just like you could gather out of Isaac's life, well, Isaac sinned like his daddy did. Let's get two truths. Number one, I ought to be worried about how I'm affecting my kids. But number two, I ought not be blaming my parents. I ought to own up to my own problems. I ought to say, no, doesn't matter what dad did, doesn't matter what mama did, I can honor Jesus and I can, I can follow Jesus. Do you acknowledge that you are going to be tempted and tested? Are you ready to deal with it, trusting the Lord to get you through it? Now, you know, we don't deal with much pro many problems here. Our biggest problem is we can't afford to buy that other toy we want. Our biggest problem is we need to lose a little weight. Our biggest problem is we can't join the gym we wish we could join or we can't buy the house we wish we could have. Or there's another toy or another vacation. But you are facing issues. You are facing issues. We are facing issues. And I need to be ready to deal with those because I'm teaching my kids how to deal with those. And I want to die right. When the time comes for me to die, I want to die in such a way I can say, Chris, watch me. Stephanie, watch me. Joy, watch me. David, watch me. Watch your daddy die like a man of God. I want to die right. I want to live right. I want my kids to know, boy, daddy loves Jesus. Not just when everybody's watching. Daddy loves Jesus. It's not what daddy talks about. It's really who daddy is. I want to have an influence, and I want to deal with the troubles that come my way. Do you run when testings come? We should say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Instead of seeing if we can dodge the problem, do you lie when testings come? How do you deal with those that try to do you wrong? How do you deal with those that try to do you wrong? Can people see God's hand of blessing on your life? Everybody in this room, well, we are blessed. Aren't you, aren't you blessed? How many of you know God's done something in your life? Say amen. Man, let's be obvious about it. Don't take credit for it. Well, it's my education. Well, my parents started me out right. I made the right choices. I made the right decisions. I worked harder than most people. I got up earlier than most people. I stayed up later than most people. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's try to let people know, man, hey, I'm serving God. And God's done a great work in my life. Last question. Do you regularly build altars? Do you regularly build altars? altars i got one in isaac's life in this chapter oh abraham we saw him in one chapter build three altars i want to be an altar builder i want my kids to know boy daddy look for a place to worship god so come off as real childish too you know there's no rules about how often you ought to go to church there's no rules about reading your bible every day there's no rules about prayer in fact is there just aren't any rules there aren't any rules you're saved by grace but something inside of you ought to say, no rules, but I love Jesus. No rules, but I'm setting an example. No rules, but I'm teaching my child how to live. My child's watching me. Father in heaven, help us to honor you, to learn, to live extraordinary lives in an ordinary world. Help us to bring honor to your name. And I'll give you great glory, great praise for all that you do. Pray you'd be magnified, Lord Jesus. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. 
I have no idea if the Lord used that chapter in your life at all. But I think there's some great truths in that chapter. You're being watched. Little eyes are on you. Little feet will one day step in your steps. When you look at your children and they're doing those things, will it be what you wanted them to do? Did you set them the example you wanted to set them? Father, do something in our hearts. Magnify yourself. Glorify yourself. Work in us. Help us to live out what you'd have for us to. And I'll give you praise. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.